0: Produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome to another Distant of the Path forward. My name is Rick Fernandez, I'll be your host, where we talk about innovation and education and have a little fun along the way. And we are on location in sunny San Marcos C Consolidated ISD, and um, at a beautiful facility here, which brings me to my guest, the superintendent, Dr. Michael Cardona, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. So I've got to ask you. I know you're an Aggie, and as it pains me to do this because I've married and I'm not an Aggie, yeah. right? So That's uh, all right. Do you would you like to say anything about the game?
1: It's a great win, but if you do it five years in a row, it's different than once every decade. So <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's it's a good it's, it was a good night.
0: I didn't even get to see the game, so we once. Alabama took the lead. And went and my three year old, taking him to bed. So I say, "Oh, it's over, right?" So I go to bed, and then about three in the morning, I woke up. And I say, eh, "Just check the phone," and sure enough, they won. So I went back out and like DVR rewind, like to see how it all happened. So it was an awesome game, and I saw everybody rush the field. If you're there, do you rush the field? And you're close enough to go, do you rush the field? I, I do not. I went to A and M in a different time and
1: so uh part of that i think we just expected to win you know i think when i was at a and m we didn't lose a conference game so there was never a a need to rush the field so um i'm happy for the the fans that rush the field but that's not something that i would do again if we do it five years in a row you know then it becomes a standard but you know we just had a good night and everything came together and they played i think like the coaches trained them to play and yeah. they believed in the system and, and no need to rush the field. It's just a
0: game. Well, I, I wouldn't rush the field either, but it's kind of for a different reason because with my luck, like, I'd get out there and like tear an Achilles mm-hmm. and I'd be the, the one that gets arrested because the officers that, you know, they don't want to deal with the college kids. So I'm right. sitting there laying on the ground, they have to get a stretcher to pull me out there. So um, it was a $100,000 fine for rushing yeah. the field. So, Jimbo can pay that. I was about to say somebody one of the boosters probably picked that cost up. I would I would like to pay. Jimbo can just write a check for it. <laughs> so talk talk to me about what's going on in San Marcos Consolidated ISD. Give me some uh, some of the scoop. Some growth. You can see behind us, we've got a lot of growth and just uh
1: pushing forward. You got a you know great teachers doing great things with kids. It's good to have the kids back in the building um you know we still have our safety protocols that we all know worked last year and so um i think it, you know if there's a move it's 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 more to understanding the stories that our kids have been through for the last 18 months and i think we're not so much concerned about accountability as we are about um stabilizing kids and sure you know, getting them back in the system and then now building on um some type of program that looks at their their needs and then going from there,
0: you think that uh, the focus on social emotional health and well being is is magnified because of COVID. I mean, what are the things that you're seeing from your kids that that maybe haven't been there before? I think from both spectrums, I think staff
1: and and kids, um, you can see um, kids at younger ages who have not ever been in school mm-hmm. um, have some struggles uh, in terms of self control and. Um, time management, managing themselves, uh, we've really been working hard. Now we're fortunate here in this district that we had social, emotional counselors prior to COVID, uh, working with communities and schools. I think we had jumped on that before, uh, but they're being used right now. Um, and so from the staff perspective, I think, you know, we do some teacher self care and some, some groups, our counselors run, some adult groups, and you can see the stress. Uh, I mean, I think everybody recognizes kids need to be in the building, uh, but our teachers have their own stories and our custodians and child nutrition workers also.
0: What is uh, some of the positives? I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of struggles with COVID, but give me some bright spots or some unintended positive changes that have happened because of it. I mean, I'll go
1: back to I think the, the biggest positive is it's really forced teachers to look at the kid and understand where they were at and not so much focus on accountability. I think, you know, teachers intuitively always want to do what's best for kids, but I think it's easy to always just kind of go along and fall into the sense of normalcy that we've in education have been doing for the past, you know, sure. um teen years. But I think if there is a positive from the pandemic, it's, It's okay to disrupt the system, and it's okay to know where the kids are at and not focus on an end goal of getting them ready for a one-day test.
0: In terms of accountability, what would you like to see happen with that? You mentioned maybe some localized accountability if you were in front of the commissioner and saying, hey, this is the recommendation. And I know you like to speak your mind, so do I need to give the disclaimer that— uh the views of this show may not necessarily agree with the uh, the host or the guest or whatever that disclaimer is they are they are my own opinions <laughs> yeah, there, you, there you go. go are my own opinions. I've seen some tweets, you know you got some opinions about accountability, but um i think I think they're valid what, what would you like to share about? Well, I mean, I think this
1: eighteen month has really shown that it's the poor kid that suffers, Yeah. I mean the gaps that are there you know they don't have access to you know what more affluent kids have access to, and I think when you simply rely on a test that on one day to measure, you know, what a kid can or can't do, I think it's, it's a misguided policy. Um, I'm a, I went to, a, went to private school K-12 and never had a test in front of me that, I mean, my test was the SAT and uh, the Iowa test of basic skills. And, um, that's what I took. I never had to have a conversation with a teacher or an administrator that said, I wasn't good enough on this day. Uh, and that we need to talk about that, you know, as an expectation. Teachers should care of me. They, you know, we read, we did a lot of writing and we did math and that was it. And I think, uh, if this 18 month has shown us anything, it's maybe we need to go back to a little bit of old school, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, enough with the, the testing and, and, uh, lining people's pockets for the benefit of, uh, corporations and not kids.
0: You know, you bring up an interesting point about um, what what it used to look like. It was more about the learning experience in the classroom, and even the, the technology wasn't there in our day, right? But it was more about, hey, this makes sense for kids, and there wasn't those those, those high stakes standards that, that the, t- the teachers are under the pressure, the district are, the, the parents are, are pressured to to achieve. So. Um, I'm interested to see how that evolves and what the legislature and ultimately the commissioner and school districts do with that. Um, I think you bring up some great points that we need to look at what's really in the best interest of our kids and, and their learning um, and not to mention our teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but our absenteeism with just our staff, right, with, with just health and, and relative health and all those things, that takes a toll because then learning's not occurring and you're trying to find, you can't find substitutes um, in this day and age because of all the things that are going on. Um, what about career and technology? It seems that this pandemic has really, um, how do I, evolve the the speed at which um, our kids need to be able to learn, right? Cause now a lot of the companies are, are virtual and people work from home and just nothing to hop on a zoom and do your job and, or check in with the, with the team. Uh, what do you, so what changes might you see for career in tech kids um, or really all kids that, that are coming to the high school? Well, I,
1: I think there's a time and place for technology.
0: Um, even with career technology students
1: who are in that traditional pathway, right? Um, they had to adapt their practices and they had to do some things on technology that allowed them to keep earning their hours. Um, so the businesses adapted as kind of, we were, um, alluding to, but I mean, construction continued highway, construction continued. I mean, there has been a renewed sense that kids, you know, can make a lot of money, Yes, you know, being a welder or an electrician. And so, I think that shift is going back. I think some of your legislators are like, oh, you know, maybe we should have multiple pathways. And we've been saying that, you know, since No Child Left Behind, right? Uh, which is a great, you know, a policy that was, you know, intended to help, but I think it hurt a lot of kids. And so um, I think businesses now are, they're having to adapt, you know, how they assess mm-hmm. and get uh, people certified. and And yeah, there is a move, you know, 30 miles away from here, Tesla's moving their headquarters. Yep. And uh, we've met with Austin Community College about uh, doing some kind of advanced manufacturing pathway because it's coming down here. You know, they're going to be looking for a uh, workforce. And, and so uh, it's going to they were visiting our facility a couple of weeks ago and, and we're like, hey, this would be a good opportunity. And so I, I just think it's. Um, again, moving away from this one day test, which I hope takes root um and to just doing what's best for kids in the pathway they want and career technology is uh, i mean a lucrative area right now and Mm -hmm. uh, there's a need for it and our teachers have adjusted really well Uh, businesses are adjusting but you know politicians listen to business people they don't listen to teachers absolutely so hopefully that that continues and those business uh the elon Musk of the world put enough pressure to say like we need to move away from this,
0: this right Crazy system. Ultimately, what, what matters when, when kids are going to look for work or their careers or really what they're passionate about? Um, is it a test or is it, hey, this is the job that I want to do and I have the skills to do it, right? Um, you said an SAT. Do you, you want to share your score? Do I want to share my score? score? You said you, you're the first accountability. It was above the national <laughs> average by plus or minus 300 points. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was good enough to get in school,
1: right? Well, at the time, the national average was roughly about nine hundred, so plus or minus three hundred points.
0: What would the you? Plus or... The pl- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What would you do different if you could go back in your K twelve experience? Is there anything that you would take um, or or want to uh, explore now that you know what you know? I would have. I would have asked my parents to send me to public school. Really? Yes. And tell me about that. Why? Um,
1: I, I think I missed out on a lot. You know, I think they, they made choices for me that they needed to make. Um, my brother is a graduate of public school, uh, and I am not. And there's a reason for that, economic reason that they had to make. Um, he didn't want to go to college, and so he went military. Mm-hmm. And so they made the decision to send me to private school, which, would, like I said, you know, that's what they needed to do for me. But I think now, I think I missed out on, you know, I played sports, but I think I missed out on career technology, missed out on fine arts, a, a robust fine arts program. And, you know, I would have liked to have learned how to play the guitar or maybe played a musical instrument. That just wasn't my path. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing. I think it would have helped me prepare my first semester at a a little bit better because, mm life choices your first semester, you, I was completely overwhelmed, you know, being in uh, a science class. Heldenfels had 800 kids in, you know, one classroom oh, wow. my graduating class was 23. So it was... <laughs> a little bit of culture shock there for you? Yeah, it was a lot of distractions, uh, uh, a, I, a lot of places to hide, sure. you know, in the classroom, mm-hmm. uh, people to hide behind and, you know, there, there are GPA consequences for that. <laughs>
0: I won't ask you, since I asked you about your SAT, I'll leave the, the GPA. Uh, no, you can
1: ask me. I, I just looked it up the other day. I was actually shocked. <laughs> well, go ahead then. If so, you know, I, gra- I tell this story. Uh, I graduated from A&M with a 2.33 undergraduate. And so I just finished my doctorate at A&M. And mm-hmm. so they sent me my final transcript. And I looked at my graduate work, and I had a 3.946 in graduate work. And I thought to myself, I wasn't any smarter. I, I, no, I wasn't. I was the same as uh, my choices that I made in, in undergrad were different than the choices I sure. made, and so that leads you know to negative consequences if you don't take care of business. <laughs> I, I thought I was smarter than professors, and clearly I wasn't an undergraduate. And then maybe in graduate school I played you know the role a little bit better sure. and and played
0: along, but no lack of intelligence. What can I can I throw this at you? Is do you think it may be? By the time you're in graduate school, you know what your passion is, and you know that the courses that you're taking are going to be geared directly towards your passion, where as a freshman or a sophomore, I mean, oftentimes even as a senior, kids are still trying to figure out where do I fit in in this this world and what's going to be my path for success. If you look at my transcript undergraduate-wise, the classes I struggle
1: in then are the classes that kids struggle in right now, whether it's A&M or Texas, it's those gateway courses, you know, your first semester English and math and business analysis and government. It's the same classes 30 years later. So they haven't changed. Right. So maybe it's not the kids, maybe it's the system. Yep. But, um, if you look at the transcript, when I moved into political science, you know i didn't make below a b because mm-hmm. i like those courses sure. and that's something that interested me so yeah it, it makes sense but there are a little bit of life choices
0: oh well, i'm that, sure that get in the way there i'm, I'm not gonna northgate <laughs> and stuff like that so. i'm not the dixie chicken maybe the uh, no i was i was not dixie
1: chicken type oh, okay. i was like kind of a rocker guy so uh, okay dudley's draw was the place for me <laughs> yeah.
0: so yeah i'm not gonna dig too deep into into uh, your history or your choices um, but in your experience as a student, um, what do you wish was done differently, right? At the, at the, uh, K-12 and at the college level?
1: Um, I, I think people needed to understand my story. It was just like, we need to understand kids' stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a story, my talk about my family, uh, you know, my father had a lot of issues growing up and it led to issues in the home but i think if you you looked at me from the outside you were like well that's a private school kid you know he has no um no crisis right. or no trauma going on all, all the advantages all, yeah that and so i think that happens to a lot of kids uh in the system and i think people just don't take the time to talk to each other and get to understand yeah. um you know it's like politics right now it's like I grew up in the eighties and people used to disagree with each other a lot. Yeah. And and talk about it normally. And then at the end of the day, they'd go have a beer Yeah, and it was all good. But now it's just about who yells at each other the loudest. Yeah, And then there's just a lot of bitterness in the world. And so just understanding our stories and we all have a a story and um, yeah, I mean, that's just it. That's it. Just understanding where I come from or where
0: anybody comes from and then not judging. You know, we didn't have the same type of, um, microscope right with social media and just the instantaneous um news 24 hour all the things that could go wrong if you say the wrong thing if you do the wrong thing you can make one mistake it's magnified um so i do think that that's a different component for our kids to deal with right because if a kid makes one mistake that that mistake carries throughout their life right it's always there and i think that's something we have to allow for and discuss and constantly talk about and reinforce um, with our classes and our teachers and, our, and our, really our job lives, too, um, especially as superintendents. I mean, it's, you got to be careful at times. Um, that's why I love uh, interviewing you because, you know, you, you really don't have much of a filter. You kind of yeah. tell it how it is, and I've always respected that, and I know I'm going to get honest, honest feedback and honest answers from you. Um, speaking of which, give me the blow-off class. Give me one blow-off class you took at A&M, the title of it. Do you remember what it was?
1: Well, it's the one that got me, business analysis, BANA. Okay. I I don't even know if it's still around, but, uh, you know, this dates me. We had to go around the mainframe. The (laughs) the mainframe was in the middle of the room, and all the computers were around. It was like a Commodore
0: 64, big big mainframe? Something (laughs) like that, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's BANA was the blow-off class, but it's the one that came back to bite me because I couldn't get myself out of an endless loop in programming. (laughs) And I feel,
0: so. I feel worse now because I thought it was going to be something like mine was history of rock and roll. Right. And I think I took it. See, I like social studies. I like history. Um, oh, I wasn't it was, really
1: good in math. There was, you know, the calculus class where I had a Russian teacher and a Chinese teacher's aide, mm-hmm. and I couldn't communicate with either of them. Right. Very well, and straight struggled with the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, math was, yeah, was math was. And it's not that I I don't think I was, because I had a physics class that had a ton of math in it, but I could understand the professor. Sure. And, and, you know, in one class I made an A and the other class I made, well, not an A.
0: Well, they didn't have, they don't have Google Translate or any, all of the apps that you can do. Yeah, D translates into whatever language. (laughs) D is a D. That's funny. Um, So let me ask you a couple of questions to get to know you a little bit better and give, give the, the Rattlers a little bit of insight. So, if we were gonna go karaoke, what song would you choose? Thin Lizzy, Simple Man. You want you care to bust out a couple of No. No? Okay. No, no, no. I, I do. I do like Disturbed, Sound of Silence. Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit. Disturbed. Yeah. Okay.
1: Motley Crue, a little bit of Motley Crue, uh-huh. some of their stuff. ACDC. Yeah. I said I was a rocker, so. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Rush.
0: Okay. All right. Not into
1: the new stuff. No. Not so much. You can't do it? I can even do probably sticks,
0: Mr. Roboto. <laughs> so at the homecoming dance, I'm you're not away. you're not out there going to be mixing it up. No, on the dance floor. I'll just be shaking my leg on one side of the. <laughs> I yeah. That's because they're just falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're getting older, so we got our dance moves are a little bit, a little bit. Needed some WD-40 dance. on the knees and stuff. Would you rather have a national championship for the Aggies football team, or courtside seats game seven of the Spurs? They win, and you get to hand out the MV the MVP trophy. Aggie national championship, really? Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to tell me why. Well, I've been i
1: I was at the infamous. spurs game when the popovich turned off the air conditioner you know miami heat yes that's it was it's just a joke people he didn't really turn it off Well, oh, okay. Barkley uh, yeah, thinks he yeah, th- he yeah. really did yeah he <laughs> really does think that but. so i mean i've gotten to see you know several of their championships or witness and be at the parade and but i think a m i mean it's a story for me i mean my undergraduate and my doctoral work are from there so i bleed maroon and i disagree with some of the stuff they do and some of their political stances, but it was, it was a good university for me. Somebody there saw something in me and, um,
0: accepted me. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty loyal to A&M. Um, speaking of, of colleges, what do you think, what can we do our role and then a university role to make that a more cohesive experience for kids? I always feel like there's a divide, right? Because, Immediately, it's hands off when they get to what well, even, even community college. Um, but I think we've learned that it's still incumbent that kid, on us that kids learn, right? So even if they're sitting in a, in a classroom at, at, a, at a university or online or what have you, I feel like there's not so much of a, eh, to make sure they learn, right? They come to us and, and it's our job. It's, it, it's, I feel, it feels like it's all on the kids 100% once they get to college. And, I think there's gotta be some, some middle ground there where our universities are working with us and we're looking holistically at curriculum.
1: It depends on the university. I know we, we have Texas State here and we have some really good partnerships with them, but it's like with any university, I think, um, we're siloed from each other. I, I don't think it's encouraged. Uh, we have the gear up program, mm-hmm. which um, will follow the, the student one year after graduation. So whatever their path is, so career technology or, or, um, college. So we'll see how that works because their first cohort is a junior. So if we do what I think those people are really capable of doing, are is some wonderful gear up coordinators. Um, they're gonna, I think, help bridge that gap with colleges and universities and making sure that the kid's taken care of. I think, uh, typically what happens is you graduate and then the colleges think you're fine. Um, and then the system thinks education system thinks you're fine. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there does need to be some kind of transitional point where we're checking in on kids and universities work closer with us and identifying the right pathways for kids or the right universities, college matching. Uh, I'm a big believer in college matching. Um, and I think that the student will do better. I think programs like AVID, mm-hmm. um, you'll, you're seeing some universities pick up the AVID strategies because I mentioned this many times before, time management and choices, you know, can come back and bite students. And it's not like they're, it's not that they're not intelligent. They just make a poor choice or something happens. And then nobody says, hey, let's, let's keep you in the system.
0: Right? Does it make sense for us to really engage businesses. And I, and what I mean by that is because ultimately we're trying to help kids find their passion and educate them. And so is the university system, right? To do, do the same thing so that when they step out, they're productive mm-hmm. and business really should be driving all of that, right? Cause where are their opportunities and what skills do they need? And yes, they need more of this and less of this. Uh, but I feel like it's kind of the universities are, well, their freshmen aren't prepared. And then when they get in the workforce, the, the businesses, are like, you know, I don't have a workforce. Um, So wouldn't it make sense for our businesses to help drive how we do curriculum and what we do with instruction all the way through K through 16? Um, And how do we do that? I mean, because they're the ones with the jobs and the opportunities Mm -hmm. for our kids.
1: Yes. I think Baylor College of Medicine Mm -hmm. in Houston is one of those schools where, you know, Baylor took full ownership of the curriculum. That's it. Uh, Six through eight, their doctors wrote the curriculum. They guided educational professionals. And look at, you know, I think a few years ago, that program was the number one magnet program in America. Pretty diverse Mm -hmm. system. uh, Kids from all backgrounds uh, and all levels. Uh, But, yeah, I think the businesses need to help us design. You, You see some of it design the curriculum, but you see some of it like Texas State. Their engineering program put um, what I call ter- career technology internships into it, okay. which is funny because I was telling the professor like, oh, so you made yourself like high school
0: <laughs> because
1: much. Samsung and yes. some of the others were saying they can't manage projects. These kids can't finish. Right. Um, and so I do think that uh, they need to get involved again. It's going to be the politicians they have to get involved with because. They have to change the policy one mm-hmm. they have to make the they have to make the policy fluid because it take there's lagging stuff that yes. happens and until the businesses say like hey enough's enough um we're going to continue having this kind of cycle where we're running behind yeah. in getting kids prepared for whatever they want to do
0: any other things that you want to hit on um, for the district any any other big pieces of innovation that you got, that you're considering or that you see, eh, maybe this might be on the horizon for San Marcos. There's, I mean,
1: I think we're pretty progressive district as far as um, technologies. You know, we use iPads at the younger le- grade levels, Google in the middle and then laptops, at, you know, at the high school, mm-hmm. with, you know, different types of technology that kids are getting to experience drones and all that Uh stuff that we never cyber patriots like stuff that I've never would have thought would be in, in high schools. Um, I mean my only thing as a superintendent is I think we need to get off social media and get off the gaming right now. I think you mentioned it earlier that this stuff is really distracting, um, right now. And I think we need to go back to, some of the basics because the technology, the TikTok or whatever those things are, right. I mean, it, it gets in these kids' lives and it gets in their way and it can either be really positive for them or right. it can be really negative based on one interaction. And so, uh, I mean, that's my message to the community is like, there needs to be a fine balance between kind of old school and new school technologies. Um, and we as a district, I think, really are moving towards blended learning, personalized learning uh, and understanding like the other stuff is going to take care of itself.
0: Sure. Once kids have choice and and teachers understand each individual need, then you got you got the magic. So what would it take for you to get a Purple Rattler tattoo? What would need to happen in the district? What could the kids do, the community do for you to get a, a Purple Rattler? Purple Rattler tattoo? Yes. Well, I have tattoos.
1: But uh, I want to know. You don't know whether I have a Rattler purple tattoo or
0: not already. They gotta, I got to ask the high school kids to come up with something and get you. If a- they were to win a state championship. In what? Any sport. Any sport? What about a- UIL? Academic
1: UIL. Any state Any, state, any championship? state championship. We've had it before. We had speech debate. Okay. We had UIL speech debate champions. So it's not unattainable. If we were to get any... Any UIL sanctioned activity, I would include cheerleading in that. Okay. I, you know, and it can't, I would get a Rattler
0: tattooed on a body. Yeah. And it has to be visible. Like it can't be one of these numbers. On my right. calf. It'd be visible on my calf. You heard it here first. That's right. Uh, high school students right there. Any, so any state championship. Any state champions. And I was thinking you were going to Rattler say, up. I'll Rattler Like a up. 100% graduation rate, uh, uh, you know, 10 kids accepted to, to Harvard, something like that. But you, I 10 have- kids accepted to Harvard might do it. Yeah. You know, next time um, we come visit you, I uh, want to see if your kids will get involved and maybe your, your uh, audiovisual kids and come check out the.
1: Oh, you've never seen our studio. Uh-uh. We have, we, have a mov- we have a television studio. Do you really? Yes. Full green screen. Well, well yes. I mean, I can act a little bit. Yeah. We can, we can get in there. Got a podium. Uh, okay. Maybe the second Se- semester. Yes. Maybe the second semester will come over. And they just finally put all the technology into
0: it like a month ago, yeah. so we're learning, but it's, it's a it's a fabulous facility. For those listening at home, uh, Dr. Terry Greer, former uh, HISD superintendent and, and mentor to Michael and I, we've got a number of stories about him, and, but Michael tells them the best, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over. Do you want to do it in, in Dr. Greer's voice as well? I, I can try. Okay. It's hard to do his voice. So, Dr. Greer, this is for you when you see this on social media. So, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to sports. Okay.
1: So, Dr. Greer and I would play golf typically every Sunday. It's a mentoring session, you know, is what I would take it as. Sure. But, you know, if you're a golfer, there's par. And usually it goes something like this. You know, we, we play golf hole, And I say this with all love. <laughs> I'm sure. Dr. Greer would lose a couple of golf balls into the creeks or hitting out of bounds. Say it's a par five and we'd finish the hole. It'd be Dr. Greer. How'd you do? Well, my, I got a par. (laughs) And in my mind, I was thinking you lost two golf balls on that hole. How'd you get a par? Well, again, he was mentoring me. So learned very quickly not to challenge the superintendent, (laughs) wrote the five down on the scorecard. Uh, Those are some of the stories. Yeah, those, I I know
0: we have some other ones. We probably. uh,
1: The main story is usually around students' education. Absolutely. There was a a fixation, an obsession, I would say, Mm -hmm. on him wanting to ensure that 100% of our students out of the 215,000 were taken care of. Absolutely. And the questions would always go something like this, Mike, how's it going today? (laughs) great, sir. It's going great. Can you tell me what's going on at X middle school? <laughs> and if you didn't know what was going on uh-huh. in X middle school, might <laughs> you think you might want to find out about what's going on? But if you knew, uh-huh. then he knew that you were taking care of kids and we were trying to get hundred percent towards graduation rate Absolutely. and to being college ready. So there was, the knowledge that I think across the system,
0: it was always about the kids. Absolutely. And that's one thing I've always admired and remember, he didn't want any excuses. If kids weren't doing well, it didn't matter what the reason or the finances or whatever the barrier, he did not believe that that was a reason kids um, could not be educated to the highest level. And I've always admired and respected and tried to emulate that because he made things happen that a lot of people couldn't, couldn't make happen. We do have a lot of stories that we'll, oh, yeah. we'll not share on the air, but, um, you know, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. He's a good, really good guy. He is. Answer his phone whenever he calls. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, I know. Answer I've, the phone. I've been told. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you oh, thank for you. being a guest. And we're going to see you in the spring. And I'm going to take you up. We're going to go jump on the green screen. And will you do some karaoke if we get on the green screen? The kids, I might. I might do some dancing. I got some good kids. If you want to interview some really good kids, we can. Maybe, maybe like, we I, do kind of a combination where we get some of your AV kids and, and have them as a part of the setup in the interview. I think in the spring it'd be nice to talk to some of our
1: seniors. Yep, I know a couple that are going to UT into A and M that have been with us the entire K twelve, and they would mm-hmm. have some good stories. I think uh, I have one young lady who's only been with us for two years. Uh, very passionate about her dyslexia, but she's going to play volleyball at Texas State on a full scholarship. Awesome. And she might be somebody to interview because she has a great story around how athletics helped her
0: overcome her, her dyslexia. Uh, absolutely. We'll take you up on that. Um, thank you for being here. It's always good to see you. That's good to see you, too. And um, we'll see you next time on The Path Forward. That's right. Rattler up. Rattler up.